0: Hi, everyone. Dr. B here again. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Ask the Nana. So yesterday I was driving through Napa Valley and it was just a gorgeous day. And, you know, the wildflowers were coming out, all sorts of different colors. Uh, Everything seemed to be lush and green. And, you know, the weather was as usual, spectacular uh, warm day, lots of insects buzzing around. And I literally just had to pull over and just take a look. The mustard weed was growing in between the vineyards. And it was just a a lush, healthy, vibrant looking scene. And it made me feel really good. And I just walked out of the car and just wanted to take some of that in for a few minutes, got back in and, and drove off. And then it occurred to me you know, yes, it was beautiful, but we haven't had rain for almost six weeks now, and it's very dry. While watching this beautiful scene, I could see scars off in the distance, little little patches, uh, big patches, actually, little mounds and mountains that were burned from last year's fires. And I just thought that contrast was very illuminating. I mean, this is kind of what I do when I'm alone, wandering around. I think of all these things. And and it occurred to me that it's the same with the human body. You know, we may look good and feel healthy, and but there could be something brewing due to our environment, epigenetic factors, you know, a drought, for example. And so, it's not, it doesn't always reflect as soon as it should. So, and then I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a crazy summer for wildfires. And, and obviously, it will be because things are so dry. So, again, that goes back to my functional dentistry kind of view. Uh, We have to consider our environment. Uh, Your provider, your dentist has to consider your diet and how you grew up and whether you are a mouth breather or a nose breather or whether you were breastfed. And I mean, there are all these issues that that have to be addressed. and, And that's why the functional approach is so good because it preempts you know the oncoming fire season i mean by recognizing that there's a drought or that everything isn't as good as it seems then you get better healthcare you get a better result by intervening early and that's that whole analogy that stream and river analogy is uh, is working your way upstream to the headwaters of whatever that disease, chronic disease is, or or what could be brewing. And, and so, as I promised in the last episode, I said I would mention or kind of just review other functional dentists' uh, definitions of functional dentistry. Again, it's not it's not a recognized specialty yet, and, and I'm sure it will be soon, but I thought it would just be interesting to see what other dentists are saying, uh, and this is a growing category of dentistry, and how they're defining the way they practice, and that is functional dentistry. You know, again I have stacks of books and papers and lots of messages from other dentists and and so I just kind of grab something randomly before a podcast and today I just happened to pick up Yasmin Chebby's book. She's a, a a dentist in Massachusetts. I picked up her book, I've read it and I picked it up again. Eat, sleep, breathe, oral health, why your mouth matters. It was written during uh, the beginning of the uh, COVID era, I mean, dentists really couldn't go to work for the first three months because we weren't sure whether we were going to be strong vectors in passing on the COVID uh, virus. And as it turns out, we aren't, thank goodness. But anyway, so she doesn't define functional dentistry. She refers to herself as a holistic biological dentist and and that's great. I consider those to be subsets of functional dentistry and a very viable part of being a functional dentist and We've talked on the phone and and I'm going to talk more about her book, but instead of defining it and in, in her words, I'm just going to say and i'll 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 end it here so we can move on to this episode's question. Instead of defining what a functional dentist is anywhere in the book, the whole book is the definition of functional dentistry. This is a great book to start out, whether you're a practitioner, layperson, patient, to start off with getting an idea of how a dentist should be practicing. And she's a Harvard graduate, a young dentist in Massachusetts. I highly recommend reading this book and keeping it as a reference. Uh, Mine is underlined and I really like her approach and I I think it's a great way to start on trying to kind of uh, grasp what is functional dentistry because it, it is very global. It's, very, it's a very encompassing, all-encompassing kind of approach. So it can be a little intimidating to new practitioners, but also to patients that aren't sure what to look for. This is a great place to start. So no clear definition in her book, but if you read the book, uh, when you read the book, you'll understand exactly what functional dentistry is all about. I will provide a link to uh, where you can purchase that book. It's really just a wonderful overview on a very exciting new approach to dentistry and, and again, functional dentistry. Today's question is a big one, and it's very important. I'm I'm glad it was asked. Uh, It was asked by Emily, a mom, 30 years old, breastfeeding. And before, I think before her pregnancy, she had a lot of fillings done. And of course, they're all metal. And her question is a very valid one, very valid concern. Her thoughts are is that she's breastfeeding. Is her child being exposed to any of the mercury in her metal filling? So let's let her ask the question and then we have lots to talk about.
1: Hi there. I just found you on Instagram and I love that you have the option to ask you a question. I think that's really great of you. So a little backstory. I had very um, poor teeth as a child and I... Had a cavity at one point in almost every tooth in my mouth. I unfortunately ended up with 10 amalgam fillings in my mouth and um, I still have them to this day. I am 30 years old and I desperately want to have them removed by a smart certified biodentist. However, the catch is that I'm breastfeeding. I will likely be breastfeeding for a few more years and I'm wondering if this is a safe procedure to have done while I'm breastfeeding. And then the second part to my question, which just is really, really hard for me to even ask is, do you think that my breast milk is unsafe in any way for my son? I believe breast milk is absolute medicine, but I do have, you know, a little bit of fear in the back of my mind every time I think about all of the fillings in my mouth. I would love to hear back from you. I'll be hoping that I do. And thank you again so much.
0: Emily, thanks for asking that question. I can tell in your voice that you're very concerned and anxious. And that's the way my wife and I were when we had our three daughters. They say that only the paranoid survive, right? Anyway, so let me get right to giving you an answer. I wouldn't worry. I mean, you're worried about the right things, but right now I would not have any work done. This is the short answer. I would not get any work done. And right now, your breast milk is the best thing you can do for your child. And I'm going to give you some more detail on all of this. And then I'm going to explain to you what forms of mercury can be absorbed. Again, we all have mercury in us. Even before industrial times, there was mercury in the air. A lot of that actually came from volcanoes. Uh, It was naturally present in our air and in our environment. I, I did not know that actually, but it makes sense. I mean, there's fluoride, there, there are all these substances. A lot of them are toxic that are, are already here. There's ambient radiation that we're exposed to just by walking on the ground. Um, but of course, we've added to that burden by quite a bit. So I'm gonna explain where what forms you need to worry about and where they can be found so that while you're breastfeeding, you can be careful. So the answer is, is that mercury, is in breast milk. The fetus, uh, well, your child as a fetus is exposed to more mercury initially than they are from breast milk. In fact, mercury levels, and this is according to many studies, mercury levels drop in a newborn compared to when they are born. So this is why they ask pregnant women not to eat fish and certainly to be very careful. Of industrial exposure, uh, I hope all of you realize that if a fluorescent bulb breaks in your in a, in a room, you need to leave the room for at least an hour. Come back with a mask on and a toxic spill kit. This is now available on Amazon. Open all the windows, put a fan in there. Again, the worst kind of mercury is the kind that you can absorb through your lungs. I'm going to break this down a little bit more. But that's one example that a lot of us don't think about. Yes, we all think about fish, and and that's fine. There is a lot of mercury in the fish. And a lot of that mercury in the fish is from mankind and from our our existence and and how we manage mercury. For example, when when we pass uh, and we ask to be cremated, many states, many counties, it, it varies by the country I'm sure but before you are cremated they ask the funeral home to remove any alloy fillings because the substance in amalgam which is that metal filling material that dentists use which is still in use at least 50% of fillings now placed in the US are still made out of half mercury and half uh, silver there are a few other elements that they throw in there uh, alloys etc but my point is is that there's a lot of mercury in them and the question is is does that expose us to mercury? And I'm gonna expand on that as well. But my point is, is that, yes, I mean, there are a lot of different sources for mercury. One is cremation. If the teeth, the fillings are not removed before we are cremated. So a lot of crazy places where this stuff shows up and it is a neurotoxin, it is very, very serious. But for now, I would breastfeed and I wouldn't worry and I would not, this is the short answer, I would not have, your fillings removed right now. So where do we go from here and what do we need to talk about? Let's first talk about the different types of mercury. Again, mercury is all around us in our environment. It was there before we put it in the environment and now there's a lot more of it. Um, We all have small amounts of mercury in our bodies. I've tested myself for mercury content. Being late in my career, I wonder how much mercury have, have I been exposed to as a dentist because when we remove amalgam fillings, we have to be very careful. There are very safe and smart methods to do that properly so that no one, including the patient and the dental assistant and the dentist, can inhale mercury. And that is one of the the big dangers of being a dentist. So, So I'm going to talk about testing in the very end because... If you think you've been exposed to mercury, it's a good thing to be tested, but there is only one way of testing. It's called the tri-test. I'll explain that. I'll give you links to it that I would recommend because it's the most accurate. And it's just the way mercury gets metabolized in our bodies and when it's present, when it's not, where it is at one given point during a test. It's a little complicated, but I'm going to try and keep this simple. So, again, we all have mercury in us. It's kind of like lead, the same, unfortunately. And the body tries to wall off mercury, but it doesn't always do a great job. There is the inorganic form and an organic form. Inorganic mercury compounds are very poorly absorbed orally. 7 to 10% of it gets absorbed. That's still a lot. I mean, more than I would like to be exposed to, but it's it's kind of the inorganic mercury compounds don't absorb very well. They also are, this is the kind of mercury that you see in like those little mercury disc batteries. That's why we worry about children swallowing those batteries. The organic form of mercury is well absorbed orally. About 90% of it gets uh, absorbed. That's a lot. It can Just figure 100%. One of the organic mercury compounds Called methylmercury is the is the the actual form that we worry about when it comes to eating fish. That's what is in fish, and th- so most of that is absorbed. So if you're eating a fish with a lot of mercury in it, you're getting most of it. Let's say all of it. Methylmercury tends to bioaccumulate. I, I that word gives me the goosebumps. Bioaccumulate Over time, it just keeps building up in your body and it's not necessarily going away. Your body is walling it off. It is not excreting it or getting rid of it or filtering it. And this is obviously in all animals. Um, a lot of people are concerned about thimerosal. It's a preservative that is in a lot of vaccines, although we're seeing less of it. I was concerned. Uh, it's one of the reasons I didn't get a flu shot as a young man. I still don't get flu shots, not for that reason. I did get the COVID vaccine, if you're wondering. But when I did get vaccines as an adult, there are other vaccines, of course, that are important, I'm all for vaccines. Uh, I would ask for a mercury-free version. This has to be refrigerated. It's usually a single lot or single-use container, and it costs a little bit more. My insurance company, I think, covered it most of the time, but it, for me, it was, I was willing to pay out of pocket if if that was an issue. So, but again, that there are so many different sources for mercury. I'm going to read a list in in a minute, just so we can all realize. That it's not just our metal fillings. Uh, I'm not not trying to uh, appease or or to not blame dentistry for introducing a neurotoxin. I stopped doing metal fillings right out of dental school. I just could not live with myself with p- putting a neurotoxin into a child. Um, I just, and as well as an adult, but especially a child. So uh, because we had we have good uh, alternatives. We have plastic fillings. They're not perfect. But I will put a link to what my favorite plastic filling is because it is truly BPA-free. And when I say BPA-free, free free of all the other things that companies have used to replace BPA. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll link to that. Yeah, so the two different forms of inorganic and organic. One is absorbed a lot orally or by breathing it in, and one really doesn't absorb a lot. And, of course, exposure to mercury begins before birth. I mentioned that earlier. The fetus is picking it up. It does via the placenta. Most of the baby's mercury exposure, even before they're born or even in their early years, it still is from the placenta. So, again... This is why there's that government warning about eating fish if you're pregnant. I would argue that it's better even to be very careful prenatal while you're trying to conceive, of course. But there are other sources of mercury that I, I don't think people are aware of. And I will, I'm will. i going to go through that list uh, pretty soon. So mercury in human milk. Let's talk about that. Mercury does get into the breast milk, among many other things. Uh, I was doing some research for the oral microbiome. Uh, the oral bacteria from a mom does get into breast milk. Doesn't seem to be a problem at this time. But there are. A lot, my point is, is that there are a lot of things that do get into breast milk. and But the amount of mercury in breast milk is not really an issue. It's not expected to be a problem. And there are a lot of studies. I will put a few in. Uh, it seems that women that live near mining regions, and, and one of those regions is the Bay Area. In fact, the, during the gold rush in the 1849, 1850s, a lot of mercury, elemental mercury was being used to extract gold from after it had been mined. And a lot of that flowed into all the rivers and tributaries of those rivers that all led to the San Francisco Bay Area through the Sacramento River and out into the ocean. And for a long time, that was thought to be one of the reasons why we have such a high breast cancer rate here in the Bay Area, but there are other factors as well that have since been discovered. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, there are a lot of studies that that actually measure how much mercury is in the breast milk in these regions all over the world, including the US, Africa, South America, Asia, and there doesn't seem to be a big issue. Yes, it's there, but somehow it doesn't lead to any developmental issues. And of course, these are just studies. But What's interesting is there's one study that shows that even though there's mercury in breast milk in the study of the the moms, the kids that were breastfed, as opposed to the kids that were not breastfed, all turned out much better. I mean, much stronger, smarter, healthier, better immune systems developed better. And so my point there, I think the point of the study is that breastfeed, absolutely breastfeed. Don't worry about what's in your breast milk. It turns out that that supersedes any other issues of toxins that are found in breast milk. And toxins do appear in breast milk, but just breast milk itself, as you insinuated in your question, is an amazing natural thing that allows our kids to thrive. So keep breastfeeding and don't worry about all the metal fillings you've had done. But as I'm going to explain now later in a few minutes, don't have your metal fillings removed. And I'm going to explain why. So, I can completely understand, Emily, why you're concerned, because those metal fillings should concern you. But in this case, I would keep breastfeeding. There's another study. It was a 2004 review on mercury and lead during breastfeeding. And this is interesting. It noted that cow's milk based formulas, so this is, we're talking about formula, but it's based on milk from a cow, that they actually pose a greater risk of infant exposure of your. Child exposure to neurotoxic substances and and other toxins isn't that amazing? I mean, so keep breastfeeding if you can. If you if you're a mom that can't breastfeed, really make sure you're giving a very good, clean, safe formula to to your child. I'm I'm sure that exists. I know that my oldest daughter found a formula in Germany that she augmented with, and and that was uh, again leave it to the EU to come up with a very safe, clean baby formula. So, anyway, so it's the mother's diet that appears to be by far the primary source of mercury in breast milk. So, again, that's why the fish warning exists. Studies have shown much higher levels of mercury in breast milk of mothers who eat large amounts of fish. We we know this. It's been measured. And the number actually is that the level of mercury is about one-third of the level of the mercury in the mother's blood. So, you know, before you are thinking of having a baby? Maybe get measured. I'm going to talk about that test in a moment. The amount of mercury that reaches the milk, again, milk it doesn't. The milk is made by glands in the breast, and then it's expressed. And the amount of mercury that is in mother's milk is depends on the form of of the mercury. We talked about inorganic and organic. Inorganic mercury compounds they enter the milk. Or they're present in the milk readily, but they're poorly absorbed by the baby. So that's one form that I wouldn't worry about. The form that you need to worry about is the organic mercury. This does not enter the milk easily. That's good news, but the small amount that is present in in breast milk is easily absorbed by the baby. So there you have it. One form gets absorbed readily but it's not that dangerous. The other form is easily absorbed. But uh, it does not enter the milk easily. It does, it's not as present in, in breast milk, but it is easily absorbed. So that's a little bit of, of good news. Studies have shown that mercury levels in breastfed babies are highest right after birth. Again, I mentioned this earlier, I think. They decline significantly, two to three, four months after age. So again, their exposure is while the baby is in your, in your tummy, in the, the fetus. So, that is important to realize. Again, keep breastfeeding. This is the best thing you can do. Next, we're going to talk about amalgam dental fillings. I'm going to give you a little preview or review of that. And then I'm going to talk about all the other sources that you have to be concerned about. And unfortunately, it is a very long list. So, as I mentioned earlier, a amalgam filling, this is the silver gray filling that many of us get when we see the dentist. Unfortunately, half of that is made out of... Mercury And what kind of mercury is it? It's the kind that does not enter the breast milk easily, but it's the kind that is easily absorbed by the baby. So it's organic mercury. So amalgam fillings are a little bit of a concern. However, There are a lot of studies. Uh, There's a German study. It found that during the first week after birth, the amount of mercury in mother's milk was associated with the number of silver fillings. So there was a direct correlation there. A lot of fillings means if mom has a lot of fillings, there is an increased amount of mercury in the breast milk. At two months, though, the amount of mercury in breast milk was much lower and associated with the mother's fish consumption. So Remember that if you keep eating fish while you're breastfeeding, that is an issue, probably a greater issue than how many fillings you have in your mouth. I'm just trying to give you some kind of a balanced view of all of this. There are some studies that have found similar correlations between amalgam fillings and mercury levels. I think we can all agree on that. I've read so much of this research, and just to cut to the chase right now, I do recommend removing amalgam fillings, but there's a lot of caveats to that. But there's another German study in 1990. Again, these are kind of older studies. Uh, I'd like to see newer studies on this. It found no correlation between the total surface area of the mother's amalgam or uh, uh, the number of fillings. And again, it, it is based on surface area because that's how the mercury is vaporized by the grinding on these uh, surfaces of metal fillings. If they're tiny little metal fillings, you're not going to get much that gets vaporized, or it can also be vaporized through acidic drinks like sodas, but it's mostly from grinding and chewing on these surfaces. Big, large metal fillings, you know, if it's a percentage, a large percentage of the biting surface of the tooth, you are actually inhaling some organic mercury compounds. Uh, That goes for all of us. But again, the study basically says that, you know, there was no correlation between the total source surface area of mother's amalgam dental fillings and mercury. And and they checked amniotic fluid, maternal blood, plasma, uh, newborn blood, and also breast milk. So, Interesting, right? So, I don't think we're talking about very dangerous levels. Again, I'd love to not see it there. But, the, you know, again, back to formula as opposed to breast milk, how long you breast, uh, breastfeed for, these are all much more important considerations. And also, the amount of fish you eat while you're breastfeeding. I, I don't think you hear too much about that. You hear about it while being pregnant. So, What else can I talk about with metal fillings? So the recommendation from many different dental sources, and not just from the functional side, it is a study, 2017 study. It recommends that the replacement, I'm going to read the quote here, the replacement of amalgam fillings while pregnant or breastfeeding could potentially increase the transfer of mercury to the infant. I agree 100%. And again, that's why I, I asked you not to do anything about those metal fillings while you're breastfeeding. If replacement of an amalgam filling is necessary, this is the same study, it recommends that, that the dentist take routine precautions when removing the old amalgam. And again, this is the SMART method that you're referring to. And I'm going to talk more about that as well and also give a link to dentists that are taking out metal fillings correctly. Again, copious amounts of water, irrigation to minimize heat. If you heat up the filling, you can vaporize some more mercury, rubber dam isolation. Everyone should be wearing oxygen or getting fresh oxygen to minimize the inhalation of mercury. Again, that's where most of this organic mercury comes from is inhalation. If it comes from a metal filling, it's not ingesting it. It's not absorbing it through the oral mucosa. It's the grinding on the metal filling and releasing a vapor. So anyway, so that's my take on amalgam fillings. I'm going to give you a recommendation on how to remove it. But now I want to give you that list of where else to look for and when to worry about it. uh, Other sources of mercury contamination or sources of mercury that could affect the development of your child. All right, so here's my list. Probably not comprehensive, but I did look around and this is what I came up with. So, mercury and dental amalgam fillings. And again, that's elemental mercury. It is definitely a problem. Uh, That's actually a third form of mercury. Again, I wanted to keep this simple, but it is, you can inhale it. And once it's inhaled, it gets into the bloodstream and it can get to the brain and it is a problem. And again, that vapor is caused by grinding on your metal fillings, chewing, and of course, the surface area, how large the surface area, the biting surface area of that filling, that determines the amount of vapor that you're breathing in. And again, it may not be a lot for each time that you chew. But remember, those fillings can last 20, 30 years. It's that bioaccumulation you have to worry about. Mercury circulates in the environment, naturally. There are ambient levels. Uh, we've made it worse, certainly, with for example, coal burning plants. But there is an ambient amount of mercury. And this is the planet degassing, uh, I would call it. Uh, for example, a volcano. And that's the that's the one that really surprised me. I mean, we've got volcanoes going off as I speak. Aetna is erupting and the fumes are high in mercury, unfortunately. Uh, fish, anything that eats fish, a lot of hunters are aware of this. They uh, certain body parts of animals that they hunt can be contaminated with mercury, depending on what their diet is. Let me go through the the list of fish. Many of us know this. This is well advertised. Swordfish is big, high on the list. So is shark. If, if you're, I think that is not allowed. Shark in in most countries, but not all countries. Tilefish, king mackerel. I've been known to eat a little can of mackerel. I love the taste. Big eye tuna. I ate a lot of tuna as a kid. Marlin, orange roughy, Chilean sea bass is definitely on that list. Uh, Mercury thermometers, air pollution. We talked about coal burning plants. Oh. uh air pollution. So some of the mercury that's circulating through t- today's environment was released years ago, and it's still there. It doesn't ever go away. It just gets recirculated, gets absorbed, then vented again. And of course, we stir things up by mining and by farming and tilling the soil. So a lot of this is is a fixed amount of mercury that we keep inhaling. So globally, artisanal and small-scale gold mining is still the largest source of mercury emissions. They call that anthropogenic. That's almost 40%, followed by coal. I mentioned that, I think 21%. Non-ferrous metal production, 15%, and cement production. A lot of that going on for construction. That's 11%. Cosmetics is a big category. I kind of had forgotten about that and then did some research. And even though putting mercury into cosmetics was banned in 1974 in the US, but according to the FDA, many cosmetic companies still get around that ban. They can use inorganic mercury in their products. I mean... Go figure. It's amazing. And most of these products are the skin lightening creams. A lot of these come out of Asia. I would be very suspect if they come out of Asia in terms of the amount. It's just not of, of mercury. It's just not regulated. Be very, very careful of cosmetics for many other reasons as well. Phthalates and and other ingredients. The cosmetics are are... Filled with toxins, unfortunately, diesel exhaust in certain areas worse than others. You know, it's that is a big source of mercury. So if you're living next to a truck stop or or you know anything, or you're walking past a vehicle and you can see all that black smoke coming out, be careful. If you're following a car, put your car your air conditioning on recirculation. Diesel exhaust is a problem. Here's one that kind of threw me for a loop. Corn sweeteners. That whole industry. Again, another big negative for corn fructose syrup and high fructose corn syrups. Stay away. Again, processed foods make sense, right? But there's mercury in there. Sodium benzoate. It's a widely used preservative in foods. You'll see it a lot. Artificial food coloring. It's This list is daunting. I realize that. And And I'm not reading you this list to, you know, make it seem that metal fillings that dentists put in are any less of an issue. They are. And in fact, that's one of the things that we can control. So we should be not allowing that material to be placed in humans. And if it's already there, it needs to be removed. So let's talk now about testing and then I'll sum everything up here for us. All right, so we've talked about all the sources for mercury. Let me talk real quickly about, shortly about testing. I'll get right to the chase. There's only one test that I think is worthwhile. It's called the Tri Test for Dual Mercury Analysis. It's done by Quicksilver Scientific. I think they're in Boulder. FYI, they cannot send out to all states. But it's worth trying to get this test. So if you're a mom-to-be, if you're before preconception, if you think you have a lot of mercury exposure, I think it's a good idea to get tested. If you're a dentist, uh, before you start doing a lot of clinical work, get tested, get a baseline, and then test yourself every 10, 15 years, depending on what what you think your exposure is to mercury. I've been tested. Uh, I was very pleased with the results told me that I was removing uh, the amalgams correctly in a safe manner uh, after 35 years it really worried me this uh, again I researched this for over 2 years this by far is the best test it's a uh, three tests in one real short real quickly it tests uh, blood hair and urine and it does that because mercury is in many different places in the body at different times so it's a real snapshot of what your mercury exposure has been and what your body's trying to do with it and it's a it's a very sophisticated test. Uh, I would stay away from challenge testing it makes me a little bit nervous it does release a lot of the mercury and as well heavy metals into your system and certainly you don't want to do any challenging any challenge testing when you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding that would be another source of of mercury so uh, Uh, forgot to put that on the list, right? Anyway, so uh, I will put a link in the show notes for the Quicksilver test. It is worthwhile. And one last item. Again, I apologize. Mercury is a very, very complicated topic in dentistry. If you're going to get them removed, and Emily, you, you know about this method already, I would not let a general dentist or any dentist remove your metal fillings. When it's the right time to do it, do it properly. I would recommend seeking out a member of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology it's the IAOMT. They have a method which is the safest method to remove metal fillings it's called SMART it stands for the Safe Mercury Amalgam Removal Technique and I will put that in the show notes I'm not going to say much more about that except that it's the only way to go and even if you have one little metal filling do it right. So in summary Emily again thanks for hanging in there I hope I was able to relieve some of your anxiety keep breastfeeding I Hope I convince you that that right now is the best thing you can do, and that you really don't have anything to worry about. Your breast milk is fine, and it 's going to do wonders for your little your little child so uh, keep doing that, have them removed after you 've done breastfeeding and if you 're a mom or thinking about becoming a mom. Try and address all these things if you can beforehand, uh, and that goes for any kind of dental work uh, it will It will make things easier for you during pregnancy and certainly when it comes time to give birth so again, thank you so much for hanging in there with me on on this episode, Mercury poisoning. It was a great question I think it 's something that really needs to be discussed and, and often and you know it 's funny. I mentioned driving through Napa Valley at the beginning of this episode. I just realized that, and I really didn't mean for for it to connect anything later on in this podcast. But now I'm thinking, you know, that was in a way an analogy for, you know, just seeing all that beauty, that natural beauty. And I guess my point is, is that, there's always something underlying thing that could take all that down. And and mercury certainly is one of those things. So be wary, be careful, and always ask questions uh, like you did, Emily. It's always good to know what's going on, what's going into your body, and certainly in your breast milk in this case. So, we've reached the end of another episode. Thanks for hanging in there. If you have any questions, anything, please ask. Go to slash ask the dentist. That was a great question today. Thank you, Emily. If you want to read further more about Mercury, we do have a blog post on this uh, and everything I've talked about. Go to askthedentist.com. I will actually put a link in for that article, uh, that blog post on Mercury. And uh, certainly, if you are looking for a functional dentist, for someone that can address these questions not every dentist will will be able to give you an answer on breast milk and the mercury content in breast milk it's something that you know is really not taught in dental school. And yes, many dentists will get it through continuing education. But to be honest with you, and this goes for the medical world as well, a lot of healthcare practitioners aren't too worried about toxins. It's just the way it is, right? It's just there and there's not much you can do about it. And hopefully I've convinced you that there is a lot that you need to be aware of and that you can do. So again, that directory is askthedentist.com slash directory. Sorry this episode was so long. But I think it was totally worth it. I hope you feel the same. Stay safe, and I'll see you in the next episode.
1: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com slash directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.